Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. podcast listeners. I'm Anna David. You have such a treat in store for you today, and I am delighted to be the one to bring said treat to you. Said treat goes by the name of Jimmy Pardo, and if you are not familiar with this man, I tell you, get familiar with him. He is one of the funniest people um, I believe who's out there. He's also a podcasting pioneer. He's a very successful stand-up comedian. He has hosted television shows, including National Lampoon's Funny Money, AMC's Movies at Our House. Uh, He's been the warm-up comedian for Conan and the opening act for Conan. He performs all over the place, but really, um, the way I got to know Jimmy Pardo, uh, did I just say he's a podcast pioneer? I, I like alliteration, so maybe I already said that, but he is. I'm going to say it again. He's a podcasting pioneer. Um, that means that he is, his podcast, the very, very funny, never not funny, which he does with producer Matt Belknap, is in its 12th season. Um He's been doing it a long time. It's really funny. He's also a guest on seemingly every uh, podcast that I've ever listened to. And, and my experience, basically, when I became podcast obsessed, which I would diagnose myself, my addiction dates back, I would say, about, about a year and a half, relatively new, two years maybe. And I started, uh, like many do, my gateway drug was uh, WTF, Mark Maron's podcast. Started listening to that. Started to realize I really enjoyed podcasts. Um, started listening to others. Discovered Never Not Funny, and then discovered that Jimmy Pardo was just I don't I can't I, I am not a comedian. I cannot exactly describe what it is. It's just that he's incredibly unique. Uh, his perspective. He seems to say things that um, only he would say, and he manages much like I, I think Paul F. Tompkins. He manages to be sort of gut-splittingly funny without ever being raunchy, which I think is uh, a, a true gift. Um, in looking at his Wikipedia page, it says that he specializes in observational comedy and crowd-based material. And then it weirdly says the word insult next to that. It says he specializes in insult. I mean, I don't think so, but but so... My experience was that I was listening to him and thinking, God, this is the funniest guy ever. And then I was um, listening to uh, a podcast where, I think it was a Doug Benson podcast, where he was talking about, oh, Jimmy doesn't drink anymore. And so my ears 
perk up whenever I hear something like that. And so I started madly Googling Jimmy Pardo sober and found out that he was, but that he didn't really talk about it that much, but that he did talk about it. So that was interesting to me, but I'm skipping part of the story. Part of the story involves the fact that I was once briefly about six years ago on a television show called Reality Remix that was on uh, Fox's reality network. You know, I I get into all of this in the interview with Jimmy, so I don't want to just constantly repeat myself. But the point is that that I was a regular on this show hosted by the very funny Kennedy. And and we would have different, they would have different comedians or guests who would come and, and sit with the regulars. And one point, Jimmy Pardo was one of these guests. Now, I don't remember that because I did this all the time. There were a lot of guests and um, they were all very funny. And so it was only when I was randomly looking at old clips of mine or, or doing, putting together a reel, I stumble across this clip of me on Reality Remix bantering with none other than Jimmy Pardo. And I find this so bizarre um, that I use this as a, a, an excuse to reach out to him when I was looking to interview um, you know, people that I admired who were addicts. And he confesses to me that for six years he's been harboring this resentment because apparently the producers of Reality Remix, for reasons I am still not clear, said to him, boy, you and Anna David had great chemistry. You should have a spinoff show. Trust me, the words spinoff and show have never been mentioned to me before, so I, I would have remembered it. And then the excuse that was given for why that never came to fruition not, was not, oh, this was a fake idea that was never real, but was that Anna David didn't like you, which is just as if I had that power, um, as if anyone could not like Jimmy Pardo, really. So anyway, this was all kind of amusing, only because we got to the bottom of it, and um, he agreed to be my guest on, on this little podcast, and I am, I'm thrilled. Uh, he is a true, true talent. So that is the trait that you have in store for you. You have other treats in store for you, namely, um, you're going to get to hear the uh, After Party song. You know the After Party song. You know and love it. It played at the beginning of the last podcast and the podcast before that. And um, it's written by the very talented Seth Rothschild. It's very fancy. His name is Rothschild. And... um, I asked Seth for some fun facts about him, just because you should know, you should know the people behind the music. That was a VH1 show, guys. His favorite ice cream, Seth Rothschild's, is Turkey Hill Mint Chocolate Chip and Ben & Jerry's Chocolate Macadamia. Macadamia nut? I don't know. Maybe there's no nut at the end of that. I'm, I'm not a macadamia fan, which is not what we're talking about. We're talking about Seth. Um, and I don't know about you... But when he when he when he says Turkey Hill mint chocolate chip, it makes me think of turkey with mint chocolate chip, and that is not appetizing. That's not what he means. That's the name, I guess, of the ice cream manufacturing company. This is not this is not a big issue. It is minor. I don't even think it qualifies as an issue. But uh, we, meaning Jimmy and I, do get into the issues uh, related to addiction, alcoholism, um, what that means. Uh, we talk about how he hasn't had a drink in 14 years. We talk about all sorts of things. So I, I truly hope you do enjoy it, and I trust you will enjoy it, or um, 
stop listening, I guess, if you don't. And if you do, please, please go to the iTunes page and comment and tell everybody how much you like it and um, tell all your friends to download uh, this and future podcasts. And uh, thank you for listening. Professional? I know. That is one of the reasons I enjoy you. I believe that is recording, but I am a paranoid person, so I do double recording. You know what I'm saying? I can't hear anything. I can't hear. <laughs> See what I did? The little skit. The little physical comedy. I don't know that, that that it will resonate with the listeners who could not see that hilarious skit you just did. <sighs> hilarious is a very strong word. Um, I'm going to put these here. I don't know where to put these. Wherever I put them, I'm not happy with. So We're going to do your best to forget about them altogether. Let's see how that happens. Uh, Jimmy Pardo, I'm a great fan of yours in a, such an ironic way in that... I did not know I was a fan of yours when we appeared on television together. Yes, that's true. Okay. Nor did I know I was uh, going to be friendly with you. Okay. And little did I know when I became somewhat obsessed with listening to every single interview you've ever done on any podcast as well as many of your own podcasts that you were nurturing this resentment towards me. I mean, I had no idea. uh, Listen. It It was dormant. Yes. It was low on the list of resentments. Oh, I don't know if that's true. I really? think it was, uh, it was, it's top five. No, of course not. Um, but no, but it was, uh, yeah, it was there. It but, was there. But it wasn't, as we discussed uh, on the phone privately, it was not your fault. I was given bad information. Yes. And, you, you know, when you're fed bad information and you think somebody doesn't like you, yeah. aren't you then, no matter what happens, going to go, well, F them? But. Is it not ironic that I was sitting here going, because I'll be honest, I will be totally honest, and I think I told you this on the phone, I did not recall that we had appeared on television together when I became your big fan. Oh. I did not recall it. It was a great shock to me as I'm I'm discovering this hilarious comedian, and he's so original, and he manages to be funny without ever sort of like, while being clean, which I didn't know was possible, and who is this great man? And I'm looking through my old clips. And? And I see that I've been on television with There you. I was wearing, I want to say, too tight of a t-shirt because I had to wear something different because uh, I shot two different things that day. And uh, I remember just being obsessed with my arms and thinking, uh, uh, boy, my arm, I look ridiculous. I look like I'm trying to wear like a Dr. Drew tight black t-shirt. And- oh, I suddenly the tight black t-shirt rang a bell. Yeah. Despite my... So can we just fill listeners in on no, what's it's happening? No, it's your show. It's your day. Okay, so so we were on a television show called Reality Remix. Yes. And it was part of the Fox Reality Network, which was a very short-lived, but I would say excellent idea. Great idea. In that it was only... It was a network that was devoted to reality TV. They would have original... Right? Did they have yes. original reality shows as well as they had their, their with Kennedy... Yes. Their version of The Soup? Yes. So the reason yeah. I think it was such a great idea, and maybe part of the reason it's not around anymore, is that they paid really well. Yes. You would go normally on, you know, sort of appearance type of TV things, and one is used to, if one is, say, me, mm-hmm. getting absolutely nothing for that. But the exposure is well worth that money. The, well, so they would say over and over and over. Yes, and we course. all bought into it, and you we know, all did it. And continue to. Yes. But they, I mean, they would pay like... I, I would say, I would think I got $600 every time I appeared on it. So, God, I did enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And additionally, it was fun. So, so yes. Yeah, so, I was on their regular panel for whatever reason. You were on, like, every... You were on yes. the weekly show, right? Where it was... Uh, wasn't there, like, a secondary show? Or was it part of Reality Remix? It was part of Reality it Remix. Was. 
Um, and it was, they had three of us, um, and the other two have gone on to far greater success. They have? Well, who are the other well, two? Okay, uh, Ben Mandelker, who is hilarious. He's a blogger, a television blogger. I'm sure a great fan of yours because he's a fan of the funny. Okay. Um, he has a blog called B-Side Blog. Free publicity for B-Side. Yeah. He also has a podcast um, called Watch What Crappens about uh, Bravo shows. And then and then uh, Joe, why am I forgetting Joe's name? But he's like a TV writer for, he's the head TV writer for New York Magazine. Wow. Adelian, Joe Adelian. So you look at I, so, so when I joined that panel that day, it you, was you, one of them, and me. I believe so. I believe so. Yes. Okay, boy, I don't remember either. Uh, I don't. I, I, I just remember anger towards the pretty girl. <laughs> um, I felt. Uh, I must have felt shunned in some way. No, but no, hold on. You did not feel anger that day. Let us establish that what happened is that we had a quote unquote a great show. But this played into it. I thought it was a quote unquote great show. Right. This played into it. As I was walking in my car, you and one of these other fellas, okay. if it's one of these two, um, maybe not the friendliest to me as I was leaving. That's, I find that impossible to believe. But I'll okay. take it 100% on myself. Okay. You may have been in your own conversation. You may have been busy talking, but I remember uh, uh, making an attempt to be friendly and feeling rebuffed. Yes. Wow. Thank you for finishing I mean, my no, sentence. I know it's what I feel almost every day. That's, uh, well, so do I. I mean, every, listen, every everybody's wrong. Yes. Everybody's wronging me every second they're all awake. Yes. Uh, they're all stupid. I'm a genius. Yeah. So, uh, yes. The and, and, Now, was one of these guys handsome? Was one of these guys a handsome guy? I would say so. So that played into this. Okay. Make no mistake. This It was high school all over again for three seconds that the two pretty people didn't want to talk to me. Jimmy Parter, you are as handsome as the handsome guy on, I mean, this is ludicrous, but go ahead. <laughs> Work out so, your high school but, stuff. But that's what happened. Okay. So it was that, wow. that I went to my car and it was, <laughs> I will not be, you know. And so then as time went on, when I thought to myself, when Kennedy, and then other people, and I told you this on the phone, other people, I was at Kennedy's house one day, and everybody was telling I me... I never got invited to Kennedy's damn house. Damn right, you don't deserve to be. You're too right. pretty. Okay, so, good. Uh, Kennedy can't have that around that pool. Look, so, she uh, a pool to go on. She had an ant at that party, so that will tell you. Where, where is, what's Kennedy doing? I, we're getting uh, She just wrote a book. I just saw that she wrote a book that's coming out about her years at MTV. One of the smartest, funniest women alive. And terrific. And yes. she's a Republican. That seems to upset people. Oh, I forgot about that. Go on. Uh, or a conservative. I'm not so sure uh, what she is exactly. So... Uh, I was at a 4th of July party at mm. her uh, house with my wife, and everybody, uh, some writers would come up, and the director would come up. Good, everybody was invited but me. Everybody but you. <laughs> Look how you spin this. To, uh, but they all were telling me, you know, you're probably going to be the new co-host. You're probably, you're the guy, you're the guy, you're the guy. Right. You're the guy. You were so, you and Kennedy, you're so great together. You're the guy. You were great on the panel. You're, you're the guy. So I'm like, oh, here we go. Hold on. This story has changed since we talked about it. Mm. Well, I swear to God, what you said to me on the phone was that they said your chemistry with Anna David was so good. We're doing, we're thinking of doing a spin There was also show. that. There okay. was also that. Interesting. So, because Todd Newton was not going to be able, he was going to be in Vegas or something. So there was that about, about, it's about reality, about me hosting Co-hosting with Kennedy right, instead right. of Todd Newton because he was going to go on to bigger, better okay. things. They also when we, were raving about how you and I had, and this is odd to say they, they, because we're, uh, I'm a married man with a child and you, uh, you're here. I do not think great chemistry means anything. But they, but television. they said there was a neat sexual energy. They said that. <laughs> they, they, yeah, and, and I of course blushed because I you know hate myself. And uh, but they did. It was like oh, it was like a uh, uh, the Ted Dance and Shelley Long sort of uh, vibe to it. That, they actually referenced to that? Yes. 
So there's all that happening. Then there's the Kennedy thing. So I walked out of that party going, first of all, I'm, I, I might not have one, but two games. <laughs> I'm walking out here with two things from going, uh, coming to splash around at a pool. <laughs> Only to then go to lunch with somebody who's going to re- remain on. Uh, I don't uh, remember anyone who worked there, so that's fine. Uh, he's, and, and this is a great guy. I like this guy a lot. Wait, is this a guy who also does not drink? I don't know the answer to that. Okay, because I, I do remember one person. Go on. I don't know the answer. But he, uh, this is like six months later, and I went, what's going on? Whatever happened to him? I, mean, I go, you guys, I mean, not only, I went from co-hosting with Kennedy, uh, having a spinoff with Anna David, to I've never even been called to fill in again. Right. Like, and he said, yeah, and, I, and, and I'm going to paraphrase, yeah, you know what, Anna David did not really care for you, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> there was some weird energy there, and so we just thought it was the best idea just to let it go. So ludicrous. And I was like, so from that day on, it was like, well, who the F is she? Exactly. And how dare it? Like, so I didn't know you had that kind of power. Neither did I, since I never even heard about the potential spinoff show. Right. I mean, listen, and you know, showbiz, they, they all could have been just kissing my ass. It went well. Yeah. You know, um, and I'm a guy that I, I, I don't, I never hear stuff like that. I would leave going, right. everybody hated me. It went poorly as it always does. Of course, of course. I'm going to rewatch it back and go, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought. Why didn't people say goodbye to me? Like right. that's usually. Oh, you have the courage to rewatch? I don't. I have to so that I can uh, put it to bed. Okay, got it. Need got to it. see it. Yeah. But yes, that's yes. where that resentment came from. You called me out of the blue one day or emailed me saying you'd like to interview me. I was so taken aback and moved and went, she might not even know who I am. And uh, there we go. Yes, I enjoy that. I enjoy that because it's so insane. And I appreciate your working through it and possibly teaching all of us a lesson about like the insane stories we make up in our heads. Yeah, well, but I was given the story. Yes I didn't make no. it up. Yes and no. I mean, I think you did make up that like we were not friendly. No question about that. I, I may have made up the high school aspect of it. But I will say, and this is potentially an amends of sort, I did not realize how funny you were. It's not that I... But I'm still a human being. Okay. Because we were, like, kicking and mauling you? I mean, this... I mean, perhaps we were caught in a conversation about the panel. I don't know what you were doing. Oh, my God. I don't know what it was. Yeah. But it was, um... Yeah, you didn't feel friend... You didn't feel embraced. I didn't feel embraced. I didn't feel embraced. <laughs> we only embrace people who can speak. Mm, um, very niche club. Um, but I feel that this is an interesting springboard Go. into talking about alcoholism and addiction because there is the question, I mean, what I believe, uh, a theory that I believe is true is that um, addicts and alcoholics, I sort of use the word interchangeably, mm-hmm. uh, feel things more intensely than other people. And that is why there is this need to drink Need to amounts of alcohol. Yes, because you would too if you felt everything so intensely and if the feelings of self-hatred and self-obsession mm-hmm. really were as magnified in everybody as they are in the alcoholic's brain, then they would all drink alcoholically or use drugs addictively. What do you think, Jimmy Pardo? I think, uh, I mean, the fact that I jumped in and said, numb yourself, I think you're 100% right. Right. I think, you know, it's... Um, you know, I, uh, by the way, I just celebrated 14 years uh, this past oh, yes. weekend. Congratulations. Thank you. Oh, this past weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, July uh, 19th was my first day being sober. July 18th was the last day I drank of 1999. I think I felt it a lot during high school, and, and I probably should have been a drunk then more than I was in my yeah. 20s and 30s. It would have been a better use of your time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like... So, although not because it stops the brain from forming. Yeah. Um. Your your brain isn't fully formed if you're a male until you're 26. 
And when did I start drinking? I didn't start drinking until I was like 28, so. So you got to ruin a perfectly formed brain. Yes, yes, I sponged up a wonderful, uh, yes. So I agree with that. I think that we feel a lot, and, and I don't know what drugs are. I mean, I have never, I don't, ex I've never, I never experienced any drugs. You never smoked pot either. No, never, nothing like that. Uh, other than prescription drugs mm. or, or you know, over-the-counter stuff, mm -hmm. but, but I never abused any of that. Right, right. And you didn't uh, enjoy, if you took opiates or pain, you know, painkillers for something, it's not like you said, oh, I'm, this is, I'm high, this is so fun. No, no way. Uh, we just use them for what they were meant to be used for. What a weird person you are. How dare you judge so, me in my... <laughs> your normality? Yes. Except, okay, but so then the drinking started around 28, you were saying I think 25. so. Uh, uh, you know, I drank a little bit when I, I mean, I would get drunk sometimes mm -hmm. at parties and stuff, but just mm -hmm. like any 19 or 20, 21, 23 right. year old, but, you know, once every six months and, you know, get hammered or, you know, whatever. And, but that's what kids do and it's right, no big deal. Yes. And then, uh, boy, I went on the road and uh, really in 1990. So how many years ago is that? I can't even do the math. Is that 23 years ago? Oh, that's so depressing. Yes, it is. So what's 47 minus 23? 24? Yeah, I'm asking me questions I can't answer, but yes, I believe so. And then I didn't drink for the first few. I would go up on stage with a Coke or a water. So yeah, I get about 28. I guess it was yeah. 28, like 28 maybe to 30. Well, it was 14 years. God, a lot of math is happening here. Me too much. So like those five years, I was... Uh, no, not, here we go. Boom. I'll give it to you. 93... 93 to 99, those okay. six years, that yeah. those were drunk. I was drunk then too. Good years to be drunk. Bad years to be right. drunk. Right, we could avoid Pearl Jam and Nirvana. <laughs> we didn't have to deal with them taking over the world. Totally missed that. Right? We yeah. didn't have to hear En Vogue. Yeah, I, I, mean, I heard a little of that. But yeah, no, good, great references. So good. You don't, um, all, you don't have to condescend my references. Uh, is to, it, oh, we see, you have got to... Uh, I'm actually being serious. I will never escape this idea you have of me. Um, or anyone. It's it's not you. Yes. Anybody would have said I would have been angry at them, too. So I was not angry is, at you. This is, this is great insight into hmm. the brain of an alcoholic or Jimmy Parker. So do you believe, you believe you're an alcoholic? No. I think, I think I was a drunk. You were a drunk. Yes. Or a heavy drinker, maybe. I, well, I was a drunk. Right. I would uh, I would uh, drink. If I, was, uh, if I was in Cleveland, Ohio... Uh, if I uh, that city's going through enough, they don't need to hear. They don't need to be saddled to my drinking. Wait, Cle no, it's Detroit. Oh, what's Cleveland? Well, Cleveland with oh, the uh, you know the guy keeping uh, the women uh, oh, prisoner, and then there's a new one in East Cleveland. Uh, some guys keeping people prisoner. Like I don't know what's happening. Yeah, in yeah. Cleveland. The point is, I gotta get, get away from there, and yeah. I apologize to the city of Cleveland. Um, in fact, there's a chance I was never drunk in Cleveland. Uh, let's say uh, Detroit. Yeah. Right? Let's bring some happiness to them. If I was in Detroit um, working at a club yes. from a Tuesday through Saturday, on Tuesday I would do my show and then get hammered mm -hmm. and then wake up the next day and uh, hungover, mm -hmm. eat, mm -hmm. and then go to the show, do that, mm -hmm. get hammered. So I would do that. That was the... Um, what was the question? Why did I bring this up? Well, I got so lost in Cleveland. Heavy drinker uh, versus drunk. Sort of? No, so I was a drunk. I was doing it almost every night. Okay. Uh, on the road. On the okay. road every night. In town. Right. Bits and pieces. Right, right, right. In town in Los Angeles. But right, right. on the road, uh, no question. And you started to suffer repercussions. 
You told me. Should I remind you of our yeah, conversation? Yeah, maybe you should. Um, well, because you said well, you said that Paul Gilmartin said to you, I think you're drinking too much, around 95. Yeah, I told him to mind his own business. Yeah. That's when I first moved here. Right, right, and, right. And, uh, you know, weighed 30 pounds heavier than I do today, 30 pounds of, you know, just bloated right. alcohol face. Right. And what was your drink? Miller Lite. And lots of it. <laughs> Good for you. I, I, yeah. No, I, I, I wanted to watch the calories. Yeah, of course, Miller Lite. So, so you were going to say, I'm sorry. So, yeah, I was an Amstel drinker. I, you know, as a sober person, you know, whatever. I, people talk about drinking. I, I could, a martini would have, like, sent me, like, to my deathbed. Like, I was not a cool, I couldn't drink, like, hard liquor. And Neither like could that. I. Yeah. Neither could I. I, I. And, in fact, the last time I drank was uh, in Boise, Idaho, where they were, uh, the club was sending me uh, shots on stage. And... That was it. I just was, yeah, you know, hammered after two, and I think they probably sent nine. Right, right. And, and you, uh, you had to be polite and drink them. Of all. course, I have to be. I, yeah. And I, I want to be invited back to the club. I want to be one of the cool kids. I got to fit in. So okay, and so you, how has performing changed as a result? Of well, I mean, I, I think I'm sharper. I think right. I'm present. Right. I was never really drunk on stage. Only like twice in my life, three times maybe, would I be drunk on stage. Um, uh, Rockford, Illinois, Orland Park, Illinois, and Merrillville, Indiana. I remember all three times when I was just completely gone. Um, but I was hung over. Right. You know, for every show. Right. Uh, for a lot of shows, I was hung over. Right, right. Or or, or on, the, on the tail end of being hung over. Right. And you told me about an audition that you went on where you'd go on an audition and then you'd like have to throw up. I did. I'd throw yeah. up and it uh, diagnosis murder. Uh, it was the Dick Van Dyke show, and it was a great role. And they were the woman was taking a chance bringing me in as a comic, right? And uh, and yeah, I, I had to run, and I blamed it on food poisoning, right? As my eyes are glossy, and I probably was sweating booze, right? But they were kind and like, oh, do you have a bad line? Yes, I had bad lunch. Thank you for that idea. Yes, yes it was food yes. poisoning. Good for you. It right. couldn't be that I'm hungover. And, right, right, right. Yeah. So, um, and, but it was really, you, you told me it was really Danielle. You had, you were getting like kind of crazy and like, uh, like possessive and jealous and oh, just but, drunk. Yes. Very. I, and you know what? I was also with my, uh, I, I lived with somebody back in 93, 94. We lived together, uh, a long time girlfriend and we, and we lived together for six months and, um, I, I, you know, uh, we were not getting along, and I probably was drinking to right. get through that. Right. And that sounds horrible because she's a great woman, and I don't mean it to be dismissive of her. Um, but you know, we didn't get along. We weren't. Right. We were not getting along. And um, so, uh, yes, I was getting with Danielle. I was getting possessive, and I would make phone calls, and right. I would call her up and say. You know, I don't know what kind of language you want here, but... Uh, the, the foulest language possible. I, well, I, I, I don't know if I'll go that far, but I would just call up and leave messages, you know, you know, who are you fucking? Why aren't you home? Where, the, where are you? Right. Then she would call back, first of all, you can't talk to me like that. Secondly, I was seeing the play Chicago with my mom. Right, right, and right, And right. then, you know, just feel like shit. Right. Um, but I'd be up all night. Why isn't she calling me back? Right. Where is she? Well, that obsessiveness about drinking tr sort of translated to other things. Yes. Too. So what do you, what do you feel you replaced uh, alcohol with, if anything? Uh, hating the world, hating, <laughs> um, 
You know, I shop a lot. I shop a lot when I need to fill that void. Really? I, I do you it. consciously are say, I, I feel bad today. I'm going to go buy it. I don't know if I jacket. consciously do it. I think I just, uh, all of a sudden, I find myself either on the line. Uh, on the line. What am I, 97 <laughs> years old? You know, I'm on the line buying something from the eBay. Uh, but I'll go to, like, eBay and, and buy something, and that'll satisfy some... Yeah. Uh, some emptiness or I'll like today I bought a backpack you know what I don't need a backpack <laughs> like a to go on a backpacking trip or like a backpack for like for travel bags. Uh, like uh, to go to uh, like to get on an airplane I'm looking for the perfect backpack I'm not gonna bore you with this uh, but I don't need one I know I don't need one I don't need a backpack right 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 but I need to constantly be not constantly that's unfair but when I'm in these moods yes. I need to be finding uh, I, I get these obsessions where I will now stop everywhere uh, and look mm -hmm. at backpacks, mm -hmm. and then I'll find that backpack, mm -hmm. and then okay, solve that. Like my wife and I, we lived together. We had an apartment. We had a beautiful apartment on Hayworth, right behind mm -hmm. Cantor's, in a great area of Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. um, I became obsessed with. We need a better apartment, right? And I then would look online. I would sign up for West Side Rentals mm -hmm. and look for new places. And I would go to four or five places a day looking for new apartments. Mm -hmm. And um, I'd come home and I go, I think I found one. And Danielle would go, We don't need another apartment. Right. What do you, we, we don't, and then she would, I, God bless her, and I mean that sincerely, I don't, I don't mean to sound like a southern uh, Paula Dean. God bless her heart, it's not that, like for playing along, if that's what she was doing, like, or just making, okay, right. I'll go look at those with you, you know, right, and, right, 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 and then eventually I found a house that we moved into, but that doesn't, that was different, we needed more room, right, 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 um, but I had these little things, yes, where, you know, and I can't just, like, uh, like, if I need a new big screen TV, I can't just go, Okay, go to Best Buy or go online and go. That's you need a fifty-five inch TV. Everybody says the Samsung's the best. Do that. No, I will go around from Best Buy to Best Buy to Best Buy to Best Buy and go. Well, I don't know. Uh, just like to fill the time. That's so interesting. That's so interesting. You know who else is like that? Interestingly, Allison Rosen. Do you know Allison Rosen? I don't. Oh, she. Yeah, she's on the Corolla show. Um, she has. I am the polar opposite. I am somebody who is like, I need a new flat screen TV, but I do not have it in me to handle a trip to Best Buy. So I'm gonna do like, I'm just gonna run in there and just say, what's the best one, and like run out before I can get irritated really? and come home with the wrong one all the time. That's how I handle purchasing. I things. wish I could do that, but I wouldn't. It's not great because if I came home with and it was the wrong one, I would just. Why didn't you just take a second longer to look? Yeah, no, I just I just learned to live with the substandard thing I bought. Seriously. Well, why would they tell you they, why, why they give it you substandard? If you ask for the best. Well, no, if, I, if you're in a hurry, I would say you don't make the best decisions. I agree with that. You know? Um, but also, yeah, I mean, sometimes I'm just sort of a spontaneous purchaser. But, I mean, I definitely have the, the void I try to fill with different things. Mm -hmm. Um but but I definitely I, I'm more efficient than that. Like I wouldn't I, I fill it with the purchase, not with the actual like the obsessing hunt? over the purchase. It's a hunt. It's yeah, a hunt for something awful. that doesn't need to be hunted for. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean it's there. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. Um it kind of does lead me into a, a fun game. I like games. Yeah. What would a podcast be without a game, right? Uh, uh not a podcast. <laughs> so um now, this is a quit. I have two... Don't cheat. I'm not looking. I, I saw you sort of... I like, kind of was and wasn't at the same time. You should know that. Okay. If we were playing Scrabble... That was cheating. It was cheating. Yes. Um, now, I, these are two questions related to addiction. And they. the first question has four possible answers. And the, we'll just stick with the first question. All right. Okay. I'm not... I'm going to struggle through pronouncing this. Pagophagia... <laughs> 
describes an addiction to A, backpacking, told you, B, ice, C, jackets, D, asphyxiation. And would you like me to spell the word? Nope, I don't think that's going to help us. <laughs> uh, what would help us? Uh, you not pronouncing it correctly a, a third time, even though you probably did. I have no idea. I can Pe show you. Peglophagia? Pagophagia is how I'm guessing it's Pagophagia. Pagophagia is a... is what again? Give it to me again. A. Backpacking. It's an addiction to... It's a, an addiction to... Backpacking? Well, I think you're just making that one up because I said I wanted to do buy a backpack. Do you see the word backpacking? Yes, I right do. There. I'm not looking at the answer though. Okay. I do see backpacking and that is very convenient. It is. It is. A. Backpacking. B. Ice. C. Jackets. D. Asphyxiation. I want to say ice, but I mean, I, I, I feel I mean, it would just be destiny if it was backpacking. It would just be... No, but you wanted to say ice, and you got it right! I know. Sound I'm throwing effect. my fist in the Sound air. Sound effect. That was really good. Thank you. What made you say ice? I don't know. I think as, 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 uh, asphyxiation, which apparently is my pack of folklore, I, I can't say <laughs> that, uh, seemed too on the nose for some reason. It seemed, seemed like that that would be the sexual way to go. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. If, that, if that's what your mind says. Yeah. The trick, the trick that I was playing on you, because I, of course, made up the, the wrong um, yes. things, is that sound, when you look at it, it looks like Patagonia. <laughs> Which is a, a shop that sells Backpacks. bags. Yeah. That's, that was the trick. And, and so I thought it was quite impressive that you didn't fall for that. I did not. No. Because it would have just been too convenient if it was backpacking based on that. It would have, but it could have been. I mean. It would have been amazing. It would have been. Now, okay, here's your next So, it's like, so these people are addicted to ice? Yeah. Does that mean eating ice or skiing or skating or being in the out of doors? I believe it means those terrible people who chew and suck on ice. And drive the rest of us crazy in the process. Oh, you're one of them. No, can I tell you something? What? I went to, uh, this is truth, uh, and it's public knowledge, but I'll share it with you and your listeners. I went to hypnotherapy uh -huh. to stop saying the word fuck so much. That's fascinating. Now, the problem is you have to, an addiction like that or a, a habit like that, you kind of have to fill the void with something else again. Uh -huh. You have to replace it. And so anything sounded stupid, like bloody or frickin', none of it worked. You know, right? You can't have that fudging guy. You know, yeah. it, it didn't work. It didn't right. take. Right. So the woman felt horrible. Like, this isn't working. Because I fought it. I wouldn't let it work. Right. Because I didn't want to say bloody. You know what I mean? I didn't want yeah. To... yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. So she said, do you have any other problems? And I said, I have an addiction to chewing straws. I chew straws. <laughs> and she said, well, let's work on that today. I never chewed another straw in 12 years. That's but I used to, I mean, I would, you know, yeah. like the way that you say people that suck on ice and join yeah. ice, I would be that at the, like, t at the table. Just I've never seen someone do that to a straw. Grinding on the straw. Just you don't hang. find a straw everywhere. So it's a, it's a creative addiction because, you know what I mean? You have to hunt for a straw. A yeah. Bit. Not I the do. way you have to, ice is more prevalent than sure, straws. Sure, but most of your restaurants will give you a drinking straw. Not always. Mm. Your Miller Lights didn't have straws. No, they did not, but there would be a stirrer there for your mixed drink. Oh, so and you're so, saying you're a straw so I, or stirrer. I, I, I would pick that up and use that as a... Interesting. Yes. Interesting. I once said this as a joke. I was at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, and I was chewing out a pen cap. And yeah. a, guy, a, fe a fellow actor said to me, actor in quotes, said, uh, 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 probably because I was annoying the entire class, and they yeah. probably like told him, would you tell him to knock that off? Uh, he went, they went, you know, it's really annoying the way you, you chew on that straw. And I said, if I can't have a cock in my mouth, i got to replace it with something. <laughs> 
her humor. Nobody talked to me like the rest of the year. Like those four guys didn't talk to me again, uh, either because they thought I was a homophobe or that I wanted to suck their dick. Yeah. So okay. either way, either way, dating homophobe or young people experiment. Um, that is um, that is interesting. And you still do say the word fuck a lot. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. So interesting. Okay. I went to a life coach. I wrote a book where I was taking everything. It doesn't matter. I just got bored of my own sentence. Uh Um, But, but part, part of this involved going to a life coach. And he said to me, your life will get remarkably better. If you do four things, you stop complaining. You, Oh God, I hope I can remember them. You stop gossiping. How do you do either? I know. I know. I know. Maybe there were three things and you stop swearing. And I, was just like my reaction to that was like what the fuck it was the swearing one that really bothered me because you know like i'm sober and in the program and we're always working on not gossiping and not complaining and things Mm -hmm. of that nature but not swearing and he just said just try it and see how you feel and i immediately eradicated Swearing from really? my vocabulary. It was the strangest, most sudden thing. And you've thing. done it. No, because, <laughs> but I did it for a while. It was so doable. And to the point where when people would swear, I would feel violent. I would just feel like jarred. Interesting. Yeah. And then I realized, and I was just really, it was so easy to stop. It was the weirdest thing. And then I sort of realized, it, I thought it was benign and I would go back to doing it. And I still complain and gossip too. Well, how do you, I mean, it's, <laughs> don't we all, I want to meet the person that doesn't. And just envy them. I know. I mean, I... we were doing it before we went on the air. Oh, and was that not enjoyable? It, yes, of course it was. Oh, yeah. I, I'll feel bad about it later. Feel badly about it. Will later. you? I, I and I also, by the way, don't know those grammatical rules. Um, I should. You should. You're. I, you sh- I you're sh- a journalist. I should also not feel good gossiping when I know that I. You know what? I won't feel bad about that later. Oh. I know. I have much further to go. You need another life coach. <laughs> That's what I've learned from this. No, but the truth is, uh, yeah. I mean, I do think it is. I think that people who drink and do drugs to excess are more negative. uh, Perhaps get their self-esteem through less functional ways rather than doing esteemable acts. Mm -hmm. It's I'm going to feel better than that other person who has made me feel small, so I am going to rip them to shreds to somebody else because that makes me feel powerful. Boy, does it! It does, but it doesn't work in the end. No, of course not. Yeah, yeah. Feels good in the moment. It does. It's like heroin. Yes, it is. I okay. assume. I don't. Okay. Well, I, I've, seen, I've seen intervention. Um, yeah, That weirdly leads me into the next quiz question. I mean, only sort of. Only I'm a soothsayer. <laughs> it sort of leads me into the next question. Who said, cocaine isn't habit forming. I should know. I've been using it for years. All right, go. Give me my four choices. You get three. I'm gonna, it's a musician? I'm not telling you a damn thing. A, Keith Richards... I want to say it's him. Hold on. B. Brett Easton Ellis. I don't know who that is. He wrote. Uh, he wrote. Um, why am I blanking? You know, American Psycho and oh, yeah, okay. all the good drug books. Um, C. Tallulah Bankhead, who's a writer. I'm the most ignorant writer alive. I'm 99% sure she's a writer. Tallulah um, Bankhead's one of those names yeah. that I remember hearing a gazillion times it's on like cool. talk shows and stuff when I was a kid, like as a reference. Yeah. Because it's fun to say. It so is, I imagine but... that the comedians of the day would love saying, you know, what, what am I, Tallulah Bankhead? <laughs> but I don't know who she I couldn't tell you who she is. Well, now, so that leaves you with an interesting question. Do you name the one person 
who you know. No. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to say Keith Richards. Like, I wanted to guess Keith Richards and yet, before. And, and yet, what led me into that was when you said heroin, that made me think of this, even though the heroin isn't referenced, and perhaps that's because Keith Richards is more known more for doing it. More of a heroin guy. Yeah, so... Helping but you I don't know. Bit. I don't know. I understand what you're doing. I don't know what Tallulah Bankhead has done. Is she a big cokehead? <laughs> it is a she, right? Tallulah Bankhead. We got to assume that's a woman. We are a hundred percent, ninety-nine. Again, nine percent. I positive. know this person is, is a reference. Yes. Now, now, um, yeah. So I think we've narrowed it down to two. I think we have. I'm going to say it's the American Psycho guy. Then it's Bankhead, isn't it? Damn it! Yeah. I blame myself for not knowing more. It was Tallulah Bankhead. But it was a trick question. You were meant to guess him. How is this a fun game for anybody? It's fun for me. Yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> um, okay, well, and then there's only one thing. I know you are on a schedule, Jimmy Parker. We got, some, we got time. We have, uh, you have eight minutes. Oh, my God. So we're going to use that well. I asked the Twitterverse for questions related to addiction. Okay. And uh, the question, the best one I got, I can't check my phone because I'm using my phone, but it was related to um, video game addiction and whether or not uh, we believe this is a real thing that can kids really get addicted? Can adults really get addicted? Um, what do you What do you say about video game addiction? I, I'm going to say why not. Uh, again, I think it's a way to escape. Yep. And if you're escaping from the world through the magic of video games, why couldn't you get addicted to it? Yes. I will say in a very small little uh, world, uh, when I lived with my mother and my stepfather, uh, and I bought Nintendo for the first time, mm -hmm. or whatever that new version was, the Nintendo, where Tetris was huge. I told you I, I like don't speak nerd at all in this. Eighty nine or nine? Okay, eighty nine, maybe. Yeah. And then I do know that my mother, my stepfather, and I would rush home from wherever we were to get the to be the first one to play Tetris. We did become addicted to Tetris. That's precious so, and sad. Oh, all of it. Yeah. Oh, it's all. Yeah. So I'm going to say yes. Adults can get addicted. Yes. Um, and I, I, I would imagine that teens could. Yeah. You know, I mean, especially, I, I don't know. I mean, with, uh, God, I'm sound ancient, but it's a different world that we live in. And, it is. Um, if it's easier to go home and lose yourself in a video game than go to the arcade and get bullied, why wouldn't you choose that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess at a arcade, it would still be considered the same thing. It, but, but there's other people there. It's, like that. It's an antisocial activity. Okay. The arcade. Arc. I don't know. You didn't see The Outsiders? You didn't see... Uh, no, I, it's not even The Outsiders. It's the other Matt Dillon movie that I can't think of where... Because I saw The Outsiders many there's times. No there's no arcades. No arcades. They were tight white t-shirts. A Rumblefish? No, no, not Rumblefish. Uh, ah. Matt Dillon has been in quite a few movies. He kind of... They hang out at like a... Not a YMCA, but they hang out like at a rec center. Oh, oh. I kind of think I know what you mean. But I don't. Uh, who cares? It was only a reference to... Uh, say that uh, <laughs> that there's Once that there's bullying <laughs> at an arcade. Yes. No, I was gonna. No, I think that that I, I I questioned your logic about bullying at an arcade for a split second. And then I was like, of course there's bullying at an arcade. Well, there's bullying everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, 
I, what I know about this, I mean, there, there are, um, I mean, there are actual treatment centers where you can go to deal with your internet addiction. So they, there's certainly treatment centers to deal with video game mm -hmm. addiction. And I, um, I'm in school right now getting certified to become a drug and alcohol counselor. Really? Though I have no plans to become a drug oh, and alcohol counselor. You just so want that on your mantle. <laughs> exactly. Um, the, a woman in my class shared the most shocking thing. She was talking about the reason she was in this program is she has a friend whose child was so obsessed with video games that when they tried to take it away from him, he broke the machine and took the shards. Oh, no. Yes, from the broken machine and tried to stab his parents. It's shocking. That monster. The, but it just shows you the power of whatever it is we use to sort of escape our reality. Well, there might be something more with that kid going okay, on. There might be something. Some I've six. watched Criminal Minds. There may be something more going on than just him mad that he can't play Mario Kart. Well, it, and I'm guessing he's not playing Mario Kart. I, you know, I, I don't. That that was left out of the anecdote. Um, what he was playing? What he was playing? Was it like had that. to be something violent. It probably had. They're to be all something. violent, aren't they? All violent now. What the teenagers so. are playing. I guess so. But says I do. a guy that doesn't know. <laughs> but you have a child. I've, he's about to be six. He does not play video games. He plays, uh, you know, some iPad uh, games, apps. Yeah. But you know, fun. Yeah. Safe. You know, his most recent one is he's, you know, he's making Easter eggs. Yeah. You know, that but, seems... and he gets joy out of that. Dipping them in. Huh. And he plays other games. There are other some. There's a great one. Some invention game. Where you have to figure out how to get the ball from one corner to the other corner, and by using these different, you know, tubes or circles or huh. uh, spirals—I don't know what these words are. No. Uh, but he needs to get the ball there, and so it uh, almost like mousetrap. He's okay. Kind of an electronic mousetrap. Okay. And so he likes doing those type of games. Right. Um, he's not a fan of the shoot 'em ups, and he sounds precious. Hey, oh my God. He's a little man. He's a tiny little man. It's fascinating. Um, and, and, and tell everybody, uh, my many, many listeners, yes. what you, uh, what you're working on now, what you're doing lately, how, where everybody can find you, when Never Not Funny, is it, is it twice a week? No, it's once a week. It comes out every, uh, we're starting something new this year, this season, I put that in quotes, every six months is a new season. Fair enough. And we, they would release on Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights, new episodes. Yes, new episodes every Wednesday, nevernotfunnypodcast.com. And you've recorded a shocking number of them. Since May, since March of 2006. You were a podcasting pioneer. That's what they say. It's true. I, it's true. I, I, I think I was, uh, I was at the, uh, the forefront. Yes, and you are a guest on, I would say... You've been on over a thousand. I don't know if that. I'm not Paul of Tompkins. Paul. Paul's the. Yeah, he's Paul the king of, the of guesting. Yeah. Um, and he's a great guest. Yes. In fact, he'll be here later on today. I'm um, a great fan. He is uh, amazingly funny. Uh, but yes, I. I don't know. I mean, I think I'm a. I think I'm a decent guest. You know. So I think people I, I want to have me on. I, I don't stop talking. I know that. Yes. I mean, that's that's probably the best quality in a guest, right? Uh, is it? <laughs> is it to steamroll? Is that a good thing? I'll hate myself later for this. Um, no. And you, um, and they can find you on Twitter, but you don't no, really tweet a lot. No, it's not really. No, that's... Yeah, it's uh, a that... fake Jimmy Pardo. No, it's it's at Never Not Funny, and that's the show. Right, right. I, uh, I to think... To find they... you, they really have to download that. Or JimmyPardo.com. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And they should know about the Partathon. Partcastathon? Partcastathon. Partcastathon. You all right? Pagnadonia, Pagnathaglia. It's going to be on my next quiz. Uh, Parkestathon is the day after Thanksgiving every year, and we uh, raise money for uh, Smile Train, the great organization that goes to third world countries and fixes fixes cleft palates. And how did you choose that as an organization? You know what? It just I saw the ad on the back of a wow. of Parade magazine. Wow! And it 
resonated with me. It, uh, it, I responded to it for whatever, and uh, it became our charity of choice here at uh, Never Not Funny. And you've raised lots of money. Last year we raised, this is awesome, we raised about $117,000 in 13 hours. Yeah, and you just have it's a it's around the clock. Uh, we go from uh, last year we did, we were smart last year instead of we, we we were going from six P to six A. Yeah, here on the West Coast, and this past year we went from noon and we ended up going to like one. Much more manageable, and we get more of the East Coast. Yeah, it was smarter. It brought people. It, we more people could listen. More people could be present, and uh, we raised over. I mean, we that's insane. Yeah, it's amazing. It just was crazy. through just through laughter. Um, Jimmy Pardo, thank you so much. My pleasure. I hope it was okay. I'd... Oh, God. Oh, we're going to, yeah. I'm not even going to humor you. Goodbye. It was fabulous.